Thank you for listening to this resource. Um, your mind is an amazing creation of God. It handles billions and billions of bits of information. It can process 800 memories per second for years and never get tired. No computer will ever compare with the computing power of the brain. And the, and the Bible says that as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. You are what you think. More than anything else, what determines your life are your thoughts, not your background, not your genes or hereditary, not your environment, but what you choose to think about has greater influence on your life than anything else. Think about that. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. If you are serious about changing something in your life, whatever area it is, you have to start by changing the way you think. This new series, Clear Thinking, we are going to be looking at thinking clearly about your life and future. Because as Christians, sometimes we forget that God has blessed us with the capacity to think. Beyond praying, God wants us to pray, yes, but God wants us to think and think clearly. So in part one, we'll be looking at thinking clearly about problems, part two, about finances, part three, about stress, part four, about spiritual growth. In part five, we'll be looking at thinking clearly about sex, in part six, about relationships, in part seven, which is the final part about life change. This is part two, thinking clearly about finances. Today we're looking at thinking clearly about your finances. Father in heaven, we give you praise and glory in Jesus' name. We ask that you breathe upon your word and teach us yourself in Jesus' name. Amen. Did you know that God, the God of heaven, uses money to test your spiritual maturity? Did you know that? So the first blank you feel there is what? Spiritual maturity. Can I have a note? Please, a blank note. Thank you. Spiritual maturity. God uses money to test your spiritual maturity. In Luke 16, 11, Luke 16, 11, the word of God says in Luke 16, 11, that, and if you are untrustworthy about worldly goods, who will trust you with the true riches of heaven? If you are untrustworthy, Trust, if you are not trustworthy with worldly goods, with money, God is saying money is a test of true riches. So the money you have had all along in your life up until today, if you sum it all up, how much do you think has passed through your hands? It is a test. Praise the Lord. 
Everyone was testing you to see. And of course, after every test comes a promotion or a demotion or a carryover. Stay where you are. I'm praying today that everyone that has experienced a stay where you are or a demotion, beginning from today, you are going to begin to experience a promotion in the mighty name of Jesus. So, making a lot of money is no guarantee for financial freedom. The fact that you've made a lot of money, think about how much has passed through your hands, is no guarantee for financial freedom. If making a lot of money were a guarantee for financial freedom, the, some people that have touched some cool cash will not be broke today. I would say cool cash. Someone said, when I started working, I used to dream about this salary I'm now starving on. I say it again. Some people cut it. Only about five people. When I started working, I used to dream about this salary I'm now starving on. It means that he used to dream about the salary he's now getting, which obviously he thinks now is not enough. But then he was, oh, if only I can. Is it not funny that people that are earning, let's say 50K a month, are saying, oh, if only I can earn 200K a month. And we have financial freedom. And you are earning 200K a month. Meanwhile, the people that are earning 500K a month are laughing at you. Like you think 200K is for you, don't worry, God, just give me 200K a month. I will have financial freedom. You get 200K a month, what happens? Can anybody relate to this? I mean, does it, does it make sense? I mean, it's just a pattern of life. Then, then if only I can get um, a million a month, then same thing. So, making a lot of money does not guarantee your financial freedom. So, what guarantees financial freedom? You're going to learn it today. Praise the Lord. Last week, we looked at David because David was a man of many troubles. And we learned from David how to think clearly about our problems, right? This week, we are going to learn from his son, who is the wisest and the richest man, how to think clearly about money and how to work in financial freedom. So, from Solomon, we can learn five habits for financial freedom. And you have to, the key thing about these five habits is that you have to do them all. I would say do them all. If you do one or two or three, even four, you will not be financially free. You have to do the five to be financially free. And they are, we, we call them habits. A habit is something that is second nature to you. It's something you do, like, easily. You know, for some of us, I know it's, it's not a habit yet. If it were, you would have been financially free. Which means you need to work at it. At the initial stages. Then over time, it will become a habit. I say, Pastor, see how you are talking. Are you financially free? 
The answer is yes. By the grace of God. I'm fine. So far, look at me. How much does he think he has? It's not how much, but how well. Anyway, what I'm just saying is what I'm about to teach you is what I do and that has helped me. It's changed my life. What I'm about to teach you is how God's favorite house runs financially. And in four years, God has done huge things with us financially. Huge. Praise the name of the Lord. You're saying, oh yeah, it's just God's favor. Just God said, yes, but you see, God is not prodigal. Two people can get the same result and one has nothing to show for it. So it's not the amount you make. As you're going to learn. So, what are these five? How many people want us to dive into it right away? You are hungry. You want it. Okay, let's go. What are these five habits for financial freedom? The first habit for financial freedom is you must earn a honest living. Earn a what? Honest living. There's an iPhone in your notes. It is, it is called the principle of work. Put work after the iPhone. You see, you have a, a long dash, then you have an iPhone. Did you see that? And after the iPhone, you have another dash. So, it is the, the first um, habit is the habit of earning a honest living. Honest because a lot of people the reason their finances is cursed is because they have earned a dishonest living. And very soon, it goes away because it doesn't attract God's blessings because it is the blessing of the Lord that makes rich and has no sorrow. So if you think that, oh, you could do 419, quickly get some money, you will have the money, but it will not last. The pastor, stop cursing us. I'm not cursing you because there are no 409 people in this church. If they are, they will change. Don't worry. <laughs> you cannot you earn a honest living. It's called the principle of work. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, Verse 12, the word of God says in 2 Thessalonians 3, verse 12, that in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we appeal to people. It says, no, 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 no. We command them. Settle down. Everybody say, settle down. And get to work. And your own living. And your own living. There's a poem when we were growing up that we memorized and it changed my life. And if I have my way, every teenager will memorize that poem. I But the challenge is that the poem is in Yoruba. <laughs> How many people did Alawiye? The book Alawiye, okay, not a lot of people. Ishe ni ogun ishe. Ishe 
ke la fin di erigiga di akubare ni feiti di ole la ri di akubare ni bekele Okay, okay, okay. So that the people that don't speak Yoruba don't get jealous. It just means, it simply means work is the antidote to poverty. The tablet for poverty has one name on it. What's the, what's the name? Work. The name on it is work. And if you want this, I, I have this poem in Yoruba and translated to English. If you want me to send it to you, just um, text. They will put up the office number and I'll send it to you. Your email address, your name, email. I'll send the whole thing to you. Yoruba, English. Even if you don't speak Yoruba, the English version will change your life. The antidote for poverty is work. That's just one part anyway, out of the five habits. <laughs> Proverbs 6, 6 to 11 says, Take a lesson from the ant, you lazy bones. Learn from their ways and become wise. Verse 7, Though they have no prince or governor or ruler to make them work, they labor hard. Everybody say labor hard. They labor hard all summer, gathering food for winter. But you, lazy bones. Sometimes I did some things in the Bible. I said, God, stop abusing us now. But you, lazy bones, how long will you sleep? People love sleep too much. The Bible says if you love sleep, you are cutting poverty. Well, when will you what? Wake up. A little extra sleep, a little more slumber, a little folding of the hand to rest. Let me just, oh, five minutes, five minutes, five minutes. Then poverty will pounce like a bandwidth. Scarcity. May you not have scarcity in Jesus' name. Will attack like an armed robber. When will you begin to work? That's what the Bible said. God is asking you that question. Some Christians are passive. They are like, oh, I'm waiting for God to provide my needs. I'm like, get up and do something. That's why I love when I see young people being enterprising. You know? I have a young friend who's in the congregation now. He's in school, but he's trying to sell me um, something. I really don't need the thing. But I said to him, I'm going to buy it. The reason I want to buy it is because I want to encourage him. I'm, I'm, I'm excited. He's thinking. He's going to, the first time he spoke to me about it, I, I knew a little bit about it more than him. So he went to research. He came back with more information. He almost killed me with information. I said, okay, 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 okay. I will buy. I probably will give it out to somebody else that needs it. I love to see people like to engage life. Get a job. Start a business. There is always... Listen, listen. Let me tell you a secret. Nigeria is the country to be. It's a secret. 
know why? God hides treasure in trash. The reason is because if everybody can see it, then it will not be precious anymore. Take it to the bank. Don't just say, oh, one month from now, presidential election, what's going to happen? Don't worry. Nigeria is going to have in the name of Jesus. <laughs> yes. Engage. God has given you a brain. Use it. You have two hands. Use it. Second Thessalonians 3.10 says, if a man won't walk, he shouldn't eat. He didn't say if a man can't walk. I know sometimes a man can't walk. Maybe he has health challenges and stuff like that. That's not what the Bible is saying. But if a man able-bodied man is able to fight if you provoke him and he won't get up and walk. You know, I struggle with this because I don't want to be seen as the one that is causing problems in marriages. But I have to preach the word of God. That's what the Bible te- as God has called me to do. So if you have a husband that will not work, don't feed him. You are obeying scripture. You feed him, you are disobeying scripture. Do you want your finances to be blessed? You have to obey scriptures. Put it up again. Did I write the Bible? If a man won't walk, he shouldn't eat. And the church says a big Amen. Amen. You know, you can't keep building castles in the skies. Oh, the, the container is on the ice sea. Swim. Swim to it. Action. Everybody say action. Action. <laughs> so, the first habit for financial freedom is what? And a honest living. Quickly, the second habit for financial freedom is plan your spending. Plan your spending. That's the principle of budgeting. So, budget. Plan your spending. Plan it. You must have I'm pausing for those are still writing. You must have set financial goals and stick to them. Set financial goals and what? Stick 
to them or stick with them. You are filling in the blanks? Good. Proverbs 27, 23 to 24. Proverbs 27, 23 to 24. It says, riches can disappear fast. So watch your business interest how? Closely. Know the state of your flocks and herds. In our time, flock and herds will be stocks, real estate, bonds, investments, your accounts. How many accounts do you have? What are their balances? Can you tell me? Hey, am I supposed to know? Yes. Watch your business interest how? Closely. Check always, always, always. Check the numbers, always. You see, because the key here in this it's simple. The key is keep good records. That's the key. What's the key? Keep good records. Keep good records. You can't watch closely what you don't even have a clue. Every, I mean, thank God for the bank notifications and all that. But it's not enough. Every check you write, that's why they provide a check stub. If I check your check stubs and I can't tell what that check leave has gone to do, there's a problem there. Keep good records. Thank God for internet banking. You all have internet banking. Keep good records. Someone said that banks tries to cheat you. Check me, is that true? If you don't keep an eye on it, they'll just be deducting. Proverbs 23.23 Proverbs 23.23 says get the fact at any price. Get the fact at any price. Which is why when we signed off as, as a church, one of the very first things we did was that we engaged a consulting, a financial consulting firm to set up our financial process we, and set up the system. We engaged. It cost, at the time, it didn't make sense because the amount we paid them then was a lot of money. But what did the Bible say? Get the facts at any price. So we bought the software. We, we set up the system. We, we, we got at any price. Why? Because if there's a record, then you, can, you cannot get a report if there is no record. You cannot tell a story if there's no record. Even if I 
At any point in time, if I want the story, the records are there. So if you did not start capturing the record, you cannot begin to even talk about what story is your numbers telling you. They will say, oh, ah, accountant, I don't have money for accountant. The amount you lose because your finances is in chaos is far more than paying a finance person. Praise the name of the Lord. If you run any kind of business and you don't have, even if you are a solopreneur, you know a solopreneur, you're a freelancer, your briefcase is your office. <laughs> Get a finance person contracts to come in and do your books to save you a ton of money and heartache. Praise the name of the Lord. Statistics show that over 50% of marriages that end up in divorce over 50% of divorce cases has to do with money. Over 50%. And Christians are not immune. Christians or whoever, over 50% of divorce cases has a financial twist to it. That's every financial vagueness in every marriage today will disappear. Beginning from today, you have financial clarity. Total financial clarity. So get the facts at any price. So what are the four things that I must know? There are four facts that I must know. What four facts must you know about your finances? What four facts must you know about your joint finances as a married couple, what four facts must you know? And must you know means you have it in hard copy somewhere. Not floating on your head. What are the four facts that I must know? Four things. Number one, I must know what I own. Number two, what I owe. Number three, what I earn. Number four, where it's going. It's on the screen. I must know what I own. I must know what I own. I must know what I owe. Some of us were in debt. But we just don't want to think about it. <laughs> you know, if you've ever been in debt, you know that feeling. You just don't want to think about it. Please think about it. And write it down. I was working with someone, one of our people, who was in so much debt. I said to him, Get a pen, sit down, and write this thing. It was, like, it was like I was flogging him. It was very painful for him. Then he will leave some out. Then he will come against the pastor, I left some out. You can't.
cannot begin to be free if you don't even have the facts. How much do I owe? Number one, how much do I own? Number two, how much do I owe? You may need to make some financial decisions. Because I prefer to be debt-free than to be driving a car and being debt personally. That was how we were raised. I prefer to be debt-free on my legacy's bands than to be driving a car and to be owing 50K. Personal, I'm not saying that is what the Bible says. Do you understand what I'm saying? I'm just saying, you know, that's personal preference. So, what do I own? Number two, what do I owe? Number three, what do I earn? And number four, where is it all going? Where is it all going? Where is it all going? So, <clears throat> one of the decisions my wife and I made when we got married is we will not borrow money. We will not owe a single person. By the grace of God, we are 13 years married today. We owe nobody nothing. Don't owe anybody. Why? It's simple. I choose not to owe. The, the, the borrower is a servant to the lender. That's what the Bible says. I choose to remain free. Jesus has bought my freedom. I'm not going to mortgage that freedom. You see, when you are content, we are, going to, we are going to see that last point. You'll be shocked how much financial freedom you can monster. Because you are not putting yourself under any pressure to borrow anything for any reason. God says he will not withhold anything good for those that love him, right? So, my job is to love God. If I don't have it, I don't need it. Period. Hey, but pastor, that's a little hard. Well, with finances, if you are not a little hard, you are going to go way, 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 way down the road. You need to draw the line at some point. Most married problems, you know, I used to do married counseling. I still do, but I'm stepping back. Very soon, I will stop counseling marriage problems, you know, and allow other people to counsel marriage problems. Because on my one kick, God helps me. I do marriage counseling well, but not my one kick. I still have to do it today, don't get me wrong. But by and large, I'm getting out of it. Getting out of it. What I've discovered, a lot of marriages, one party is kept in the dark in one of these four facts. Maybe one party doesn't know how much we own or how much we owe. Or how much we earn. 
or where it's all going. Whenever one party doesn't know one, at least one of these four things are heading for disaster, it is a time bomb. I take it to the bank. Except you have both agreed. How much I earn is not your business. That is an agreement. That's a different thing entirely. Praise the name of the Lord. But you cannot say how much I owe is not your business. Because when the creditors come and they can't see the man, they will carry his wife. You can't say where it's all going is not your business. Maybe somebody is smoking marijuana with money you're supposed to be using to buy baby food. Do you understand what I'm saying? How much, what do we own? You need to sit down with your spouse. What do we own? Number two, how much do we owe? Number three, what is coming in? What do we earn? And number four, where is it all going? Where is it all going? You can iron out these four things. If the financial pressure you are feeling in your marriage is at 80, and I assure you it's going to come down to 10. It's on its way out. Praise the name of the Lord. I got a tweet that um, someone said to me that Sunday's message was hard. Principle of the objective. Very tough. This is tougher, isn't it? Your life will be better in Jesus' name. You need to face this tough tablet and swallow them like tetraclycine. That's what she, she says. Sunday's message was like tetraclycine. Tetracycline. I don't know the name. <laughs> Are you still there? Proverbs 21.5 Plan carefully. And what? You will have plenty. So stop worrying where did it all go? Plan carefully and you will have plenty. If you act too quickly... You will never have enough. What, what, what is it to act too quickly? To act too quickly is to impulse. It's called impulsive buying. Every advertisement is channeled at impulsive buying. Impulsive buying. Buy now, think later. Buy now, think later. Buy now, think later. And they know that if they can get you to just keep going back. It's like you get addicted. Shopping can be an addiction. And once you get addicted, you just go there for your fix. You are depressed, you go shopping. You have challenges, your marriage have you to face it, you go shopping. It's your drug, it's your banner. 
Praise the name of the Lord. And they know you. You know? I sent some credit, uh, phone credit to my wife, you know, for nothing. I just sent her phone credit as a good guy. And, and she loaded the phone credit and, um, and she was like, wow, this, the network just called her. I will tell you the network it was. And they said to her, what's the game? Okay. They, they multiplied what she loaded times four. I said she has free talk time. You want to, you want your, your truth to be wide. And I said, no, 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 no. Me, I want, I want, I want. I said, okay. So, because she thought that it's a lot of credit to finish. Today she said, it's finished. And I'm hungry for more. <laughs> exactly. That's the point. But I am not sending her more credit. <laughs> we have to wait till it's time for another budget. I know a good man. <laughs> Praise the name of the Lord. She said to me sometimes that she saw she saw an advert and it was it was like deliverance for her. And she said the way to poverty is lined with coupons. You guys may not make sense, a lot of sense. We don't use the coupon system a lot here. But you, you know discounts. I give you 50% discounts, right? My wife said to me, the road to poverty is like lined with discounts. The things you will not buy normally. Ah, it's 50% discount. You buy. Oh, it's 45% discount. You buy. Oh, if I don't buy now, if the money, the price will go up. Is a lie. Let it go up. You don't need it. Praise the name of the Lord. You don't need it. In fact, statistics show. In fact, when I read the statistics, I have a friend that when, when he said to me that when we left school, he's a very sharp guy, very intelligent guy. He said to me that when he wants to get married, he's going to marry a village girl. He's going to go to the village and he's going to marry one beautiful uh, what are they called? Eh? Village girl. I like this guy. What's wrong with you? You know? Ah, no, 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 no. I'm sure you guys probably know one or two people that made such decisions. I read the statistics. I remembered my friend. What was the statistics? They said the more educated a woman is, the more impulsive she spends. No, not a woman, a man, a human being. Now, a lot of you are high me and you are angry. So, Pastor, you try to make them not to marry us. No! Some of us are married to PhD owners already. <laughs> Why am I sharing these statistics? It's simple. If you know that you have a propensity for something that is not going to make you financially free, what do you do? Deliver yourself. The more educated a woman is, the more impulsive she spends. I didn't say that. Gartner. 
search. What am I saying? Someone might say so. You know, you had pastor today, you married an educated woman. What am I saying? Hot impulsive spending. How do you do it? It's a decision away. Budget. Budget. Everybody say budget. Solomon has an advice. Solomon's advice. And if Solomon advises you about money, you listen. What's Solomon's advice? Financial freedom is not determined by how much you make. But by how you spend it. That's Solomon's advice. From Proverbs 21.5. Financial freedom is not what? Determined by how much you make, but by what? How you spend it. So you need a plan. Budget. 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 I was a budget. Budget. God has an IQ test. And you know God's IQ test? You know how God knows how intelligent we are? Turn over to the back. Proverbs 21.20. That's how God knows how intelligent we are. He says stupid people spend their money as fast as they get it. I think we can go home now. <laughs> I think we can just close here and go. This is getting even uncomfortable for me. I'm sweating. <laughs> so, Pastor, this is hard. Yes! What will pull you out to financial freedom? If it were easy, you would have done it. Praise the name of the Lord. If it, were, if it, if it would come to you easily, you would have done it. Because you are not a fool. You want to get out of it. If it were easy, you would have done it. This is God's IQ test. What does it say? Stupid people spend their money as fast as they get it now. Listen, when I read this thing, I, I, if I was sitting like this, when I read it, I shifted on my seat like this. Because it makes me uncomfortable. We've all been there. God is saying, stop spending your money as quickly as you earn it. Then you are wise. Stop spending it. So, you see something, you want to buy it. You know, one of the ways I got out of just buying things and just being a spendthrift, one of the ways I got out of it is see something, I want to buy it. It's you know, you know that you know that feeling? You know, it's as if if you don't buy it now, Jesus may never come back. You just have that urgency. I say to myself, wait. The fact that I feel like buying it, some I end up buying, most I end up not buying. Wait. 
That's the first thing I, I do. The second thing I do, I say to myself, what is the justification for this? Waiting stop that adrenaline rush that makes you make a decision without thinking. Buy now, think later. Then that question makes you think logically. What is the justification? You say, Pastor, what, must there be a justification? Can't I just enjoy my money? We are going to get there. We are going to get there. You see, if you you need to choose one in life. You need to choose to enjoy now and to suffer later. Or to inconvenience yourself, suffer now, quote and unquote, and enjoy for a longer period. Which do you choose? So, how do you make this whole thing work from a proactive standpoint? How do you break the habit of impulsive spending? I've told you how I break it on the spot. From a reactive standpoint, I say to myself, stop. This shoe is not going to run away from this store. But pastor, what if it finishes? Then, it's not mine. From a reactive standpoint, I say to myself, stop. Don't buy it. Walk away. You can walk. Try it. You can. Put one leg in front of you. You can. Yes. Your legs are moving. Keep moving. Keep moving, boy. Keep moving. Now, it's funny. I do that for myself. As I'm telling you, I'm remembering instances where I've done it for myself. Keep moving. Now you're moving. Good. Good. Don't look back. Don't look back. Don't look back. Just keep going. You know, that is a reactive response. What is the proactive response? I've mentioned it time and time. That's the purpose of, of this second habit. How do you break that hold? Relief is spelled B-U-D-G-E-T. Budget. Budget. It doesn't have to be anything super, you know, super high-tech stuff. Just take a piece of paper. This month, this is how much we have. So we cannot spend more than we have. Praise the name of the Lord. So from the amount we have, this is how much we can spend. That is if we are just all about spending. Budget. So, I said I'm going to do A, B, C, D, E, F, G this month. I've allocated my money to it in paper. I get out with a friend and I see I, J, and K. What do I do? The moment I budget, I've already said no. Like objective. The moment I said yes, I've already said no. So I, J, and K. So if I, J, and K are so important, I take them 
and I put them in view next month. Many times they don't survive it. They don't survive it. Praise the name of the Lord. So, budgeting is plan spending. Telling your money where to go rather than wondering where it went. So, homework. Write a budget. Do a budget. That's your homework. You can use an Excel sheet. You can use yeah, very good budget apps these days. Quicken, the fresh mint, and all that. I have a couple of Excel budget templates. I can send it to you if you're interested. Can I send it to you? Good. So, um, probably we'll send it out. But I'm not going to send it out to the whole church database because some people will like, oh, what's this, this guy? What's he talking about? At the end, I'm going to put up the number. Again, if you text me your name and your number, I'm going to send you. What's the first thing I said I will send? The poem. I'll send the poem and I'll send you the budget template. I can't tell you, send you two budget templates and modify it to make it work for yourself. My wife and I used to argue a lot about money. A lot. Some time ago, we decided that this same principle, budget. Guess what? We stopped arguing about money. Stress just left. Found something else to be arguing about. I'm joking. But that was just out of it. Habit number three. Save for the future. Called principle of investment. Invest. Stay, stay for the future. I'm, I'm using the word save loosely here. You know, I know some of you financial guru you are saying oh, savings. You can't save money because of inflation rate and interest rate. Da da da. Inflation rate is higher than interest rate. I understand that. But you must have at least accumulated some money before you can invest it. If you want to invest in real estate, I, there are people that are actually buying land and selling land with their money without going to the bank today by saving up over some of them two years, three years of constant saving. Then they buy the land, cash, and they sell it and make about two... 100% 200% profit. And they save, and they buy, and they save, and they buy. So savings is very powerful. Even the good old savings. It's very powerful. If the objective is I'm saving to, to invest. Because no matter how much money you make, your expenses will always rise above your income if you allow it. We give the example. If you have any 50K you want to... Oh, once I earn 200K, I'm fine. 
Getting 200k is not enough. Once I earn half a million, I'm fine. Getting half a million is not enough. Once I earn, and so what should you do? Budgeting will help you because budgeting will say this amount I'm going to save, this amount I'm going to spend. Proverbs twenty-one twenty says, "The wise man saves for the future." The wise man saves for the future. Why don't we save more these days? Why don't we save more? It's simple. We want everything now. The reason we don't save more is because we want everything now. We want everything now. Proverbs 13, 11. Solomon says to us, in Proverbs 13, 11, that money that comes easily Disappears quickly. Money that is gathered, how? Little by little will what? Will grow. Many times you are saving money. You're like, oh, how much is this money I'm saving? It's so small. No. The Bible says money that is gathered, how? Little by little will grow will grow. And the problem is we we overestimate how much we can achieve in the short term. And we underestimate how much we can achieve in the long term. We overestimate how much we can oh, I want to to achieve this, I want to save to do this. And we think, oh, in three months, five months, we'll be done. But you get discouraged because it's not going to take three months or five months. Because you didn't get to where you are in three months or five months. Praise the Lord. I believe in miracles. I also believe in systems. You didn't get to where you are in three months. So don't think you are going to get out in three months. God can do a miracle. But you must have a plan. Now, some people would say, I can use my life as an example, I felt if I put aside, let's say, 50K a month, if I put aside 50K a month for savings, I feel, oh, in four months I will just have 200K. That doesn't excite me. But guess what? I said that four years ago. I'm still here alive on this earth. And I'm still not doing the 50k month, for instance. So if I've been doing it four years ago, how much will I have now? 2.4 million. That excites me. <laughs> but guess what? Four years we always come. God will keep you in health and alive in Jesus' name. It will always come. So why don't you begin to save? If you don't have a savings, you can't invest. You can't take opportunities when they come. If you don't have a savings, even God cannot use you financially. Because you don't have leverage. God cannot demand a seed from you. Because you've eaten everything. God said to the children of Israel that the gold they collected from the children of Egypt 
was what they, sh- they should bring part of it to build the temple if they have spent everything in the wilderness. In fact, they did. They, they built a golden, a golden calf which they, they drank. Moses, Moses is a very tough leader. He said they should melt it. They melted it. He mixed everything in water. He compelled the children of Israel to drink that water. They drank gold. Moses, tough leader. <laughs> hey, you, you will drink this thing. So, at the end of the day, when God called for a seed, some of them obviously wouldn't have because they've used their seed to build a golden calf which they worshipped. Some people, God cannot call for a seed because you've eaten your seed. There's an investment. God wants you to take that investment. You can't take it. Why? Because you've eaten everything. You are, you are, you are wearing it on your head. Let me tell you something. Women, I'm not, I'm not jabbing you today. I'm not jabbing you. Forgive me. It's as if I'm jabbing you, but I'm not. I'm just saying the truth. Just love me, okay? I can air, 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 air be half a million naira. Air. that make it to heaven? That hair. If that hair gets to the gates of heaven, people pit ourselves with faint. Ah, ah, what is this? That half a million, you can use it to do so many things. Now, I, the fact that I don't share your view doesn't mean it's wrong. Don't get me wrong. I'm just saying that many times we have eaten our future. We are wearing our future. Many times. Women, forgive me. <laughs> the key here, the key here is, is what? If you are writing, everybody should be writing. Is what? Oh, That shouldn't be there. It should be a dash. <laughs> it, should be da- it should be a dash. The key here is delayed gratification. Nobody is saying you, sh- you wouldn't ever enjoy your money. No, 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 no. What God is saying is you, he wants to build you in a way that you'll be able to enjoy it and it will last for generations. So it is not deprived gratification. It's just delayed gratification. Number four. So, number one, earn a what? Honest living. Number two, plan your spending. Number three, save for the future. Number four, return 10% back to God. It's called the principle of tithing. Now, for some of you, I know this is a no-brainer. I mean... Pastor, can we skip this point? I mean, I, I don't have any issue here. I know. I know. Some people are new in the faith, whether you like it or not. And they are here. Malachi 3.10 says, Bring to my storehouse the full tenth of what you earn. Test me in this. You can circle test me. 
Test me. Test me in this, says the Lord. I will open the windows of heaven for you and pour out all the blessings you need. The only place God gives us the provision to prove his existence is in Titan. To test, rather, his existence is in Titan. Check the scriptures. Test me in this. In fact, we as a church, we've made, you know, we've made it bold to say at some point, I don't know if you remember when we did the tight challenge, right? And the testimonies were mind-blowing. A lot of those testimonies were not shared here. Some of them, I got the privilege of hearing them. Mind-blowing. People that have never tightened before. And we put the challenge out there. And we said to them, tight for three months. If God doesn't come through and prove faithful, number one, stop tithing. Number two, come, we'll give you back all your money. Is that a good deal? And they said yes. And they signed up. And some people that have been old Christians for 15 years that have been eating their tithes, they've tithed, eating their tithes 10 times, came to me, Pastor, can I partake? I said, no. Because it's not for you. You are just unfaithful. That's why your finances are upside down. It's not for you. It's for those that are since they don't know. They've never experienced God. You have experienced God. You know God. But you've just decided to be stronger than stubborn. Then you face your consequences. It's not for you. It's for those that they're like fresh. They're like, oh, can I take this step? Can I, you know, they're taking their baby steps in following God. We allow them to do that. Praise the name of the Lord. There's a man called John D. Rockefeller. I mean, you must have heard about him. He was the Bill Gates of, of before. He was the wealthiest man. I think it's Standard Oil, if I'm not mistaken. You know? Read his biography. One of the things he said, the secret, when he says the secret of his wealth, he says he has a 10-10-80 rule. That's him. 10-10-80 rule. And he explained the 10, 10, 80 rule to, to say that the first 10% of all his income, he tithes it. I was like, eh? He says, the second 10%, he pays himself, saves it. Then the next, last 80%, he budgets it. Those ones are out of reach. First 10, the second 10, out of reach for him. The 80, he budgets it. Then he, he spends. I'm like, wow. <clears throat> Praise the Lord. Someone says to me, Pastor, I have a question. So what's your question? He says, this thing that is 10%, why is it 10%? Can you prove it to me why it is 10%? I said, listen, I don't know why it's 10%. Nine percent is not tightening. Five percent is not tightening. I don't know why it is ten percent. God said it's ten percent. Listen, God could have said it's twenty percent. He could have said it's fifty percent. He could have said it's ninety percent. If you would argue with him, let me see your hands up. Not me. If God said it's ninety percent, what would you do? 
He obey. End of story. I said, but he has said his ten percent. Let us not ask him why. <laughs> so that he doesn't say, eh. You know, that was just a joke. But I don't know. In fact, in this church, we have a group of people called Governors of Wealth. We are doing beyond 10%. Have you heard Governors of Wealth get up, right? During tithing. Some people have said, what's that? What's that? Now you know. People that are doing beyond 10%. My family, there was a time we, we, we were doing 20%. But it's not 20% anymore. I won't tell you what it is now. When we move past it, I will tell you. Why are we increasing our tithes? We are trusting God. Because we read the story about a guy called Heinz. I remember about Heinz baked beans. Heinz, right? Every time you eat his baked beans, you are enriching his children and his great-grandchildren. Because it's, it's, it's late now. Everything is ketchup, is this and that and that. Heinz did what he called the reverse titan. Ein said, before he died, how can I be taking 1090 and be giving on God 10? I'm going to take 10 and give God 90. God didn't say we should do that, but that's what he said. And his business is what it is today. I'm like, I'd love to do that. But let me be going small, small. I can't even tell you what I'm doing now. Since I know what you are doing, what you should be doing, you, are doing, you should be doing 10. If you are not in governors of wealth, I'm doing 30. By the grace of God, the time will come when I'll be doing 90. Say amen for me. I like that. And I'll be holding on to 10. Before he died, he said, even this 10% is too much. Any area of your life you want God to bless, make God priority. Any area. If you want God to bless your marriage, in your home, make God priority. If you want God to bless your relationships, in that relationship, make God priority. If you want God to bless your finances, in your finances, make God priority. If you want God to bless your children, in their lives, make God priority. Anything you want God to bless, make Him priority. Because obviously, God doesn't need your money. He doesn't. So what does he need? He needs what the money represents. What does the money represent? It represents, one, gratitude. For helping me end this gratitude. Number two, it represents priority. It shows who is first in my life. Priority. Number three, Faith, he represents faith. It shows that I believe that God will do what he said he will do. Proverbs 3, 9 and 10. Honor the Lord with your wealth and the first fruit of your, of your crops. Then, everyone say then. Then will your bands be filled with to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. Again, the principle here is Whatever you want God to bless, put him first in it. Whatever you want God to bless, do what? 
Put him first. Put him first. You want him to bless your career? Put him first. You want him to bless your business? Put him first. Finally, number five. So, the first habit, again, let me say this. Let me say this. You, for you to be financially free, you have to do all five. You don't work and you can't be financially free. If you work, you tight, you don't save, you don't budget, you may not be. You have to do all five. So, number one, earn what? A honest living. Number two, plan your spending, budget. Any honest living, work, plan your spending, budget. Number three, save for the future, invest. Number four, return 10% back to God, tithe. Number five, enjoy what you have. Content. That's the principle of contentment. Enjoy what you have. Enjoy it. You know that you don't need necessarily always need money to enjoy life. You to have money, don't get me wrong. But contentment drives deeper than money. Ecclesiastes 6 9 says, It is better to be satisfied with what you have than to always be wanting something else. That's Solomon. You should know. Oh, yes. Proverbs, I'm sorry, Hebrews 13, 5 says, be content with what you have. Now, contentment is not complacency. I've explained that before. Complacency is not contentment. We started with work. So I'm not talking about complacency. I'm talking about contentment. Being able to enjoy what you have, whatever it is, the capacity to enjoy it. If you are not enjoying what you have right now, there's something wrong. Why? Because if you don't learn to be content, your yearnings, your desire, your yearnings will always exceed your earnings. If you don't learn to be content, your yearnings will always exceed your learning, your earnings. And the root of most financial problems is an issue of trust. It's an issue of trust. Whatever I trust becomes my God. Whatever I trust for security becomes my God. Whatever I trust for security becomes my God. Yes, your husband should provide for you, but your husband... Your trust should not be your husband. If you put your trust in your husband, you are putting him in a bad place. Your trust must be in God. Because if you put your trust in your husband, God may want to teach you a lesson. Show you that your husband is not your source. Job 
31, 24, and 28, Job makes this profound, profound statement. He said, if I have put my trust in money, if my happiness depends on wealth, it would mean that I denied the God of heaven. Wow. If I have put my trust in money, if my happiness depends on wealth, it would mean that what? That I denied the God of heaven. To have financial freedom, you have to do all five. I want to look at the list and see which one you need to begin to act on. And I want you to start it. Don't look at your neighbor. Don't look at what they are starting. It's not your business. Is it to earn? Is it to plan? Is it to save? Or save more? Is it to return? To tithe? Or to double your tithe? Or to join governors of wealth? Is it to enjoy it? I'm able to earn, plan, save, tithe, return, but I don't enjoy it. God wants you to enjoy the money and be content. Thank you for listening to this. I want to encourage you to share this resource with your family and friends. God bless you.